Hi everybody and welcome to the Shark Tank, a brand new Sail Sharks podcast brought to you by three die-hard Sail fans dispersed throughout the country. My name is Lewis and you might know me as the founder and editor of the Shark Tank Sail blog. Uh, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Alex and James, two people with whom I've had many a Twitter conversation over the year and who are now bringing our discussions to the airwaves. Uh, hi there Alex. Hello mate, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And hi there James. Hi mate, good to be here. So, first, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, you might be wondering why we're starting a sale podcast now, two weeks after the end of the season. Um, but consider this a, a bit of a trial pod where we aim to wrap up and review the review sales 2016-17 season. And if this goes down well with our fellow Sharks fans, uh, we'll be back with a few more pods in the run up to the 2017-18 season and with the hope of turning this into a weekly event. So, with that out of the way, let's, let's just jump straight into it. Um, sale finished the season 10th in the Premiership bottom of the Champions Cup pool with a, a single win out of six, uh, and as a runner-up in the RLV Cup stage, uh, ultimately failing to progress to the knockout round. Uh, so I'll put this question um, to either of you. Um, should we consider this season a success for sale when, when viewed holistically? After you, James. <laughs> After me. Right. Well, I think I, I think I started the season and, uh, and thought that maybe, as normal, we're going in a little bit too optimistic. <laughs> um you know, when you look at the size of the squad, the amount of money we were spending on the squad, the takeover didn't happen until um, later on last season. So I don't think it took place earlier enough to um, really have an effect on the quality of the squad coming into this season. So we're kind of operating on the same kind of cost basis we have for the last few, where I feel that we've overachieved. Um, so holistically looking at it, we probably are where we're at, to be honest, in the um in the premiership and i think if you look at our past few seasons we've tended to qualify for the champions cup and then had a really struggle a real struggle the next season afterwards where it's really stretched our squad um and it's no different this year i suppose um staying up um from the position we were in 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 the middle of january where someone like myself was uh having sleepless nights um uh you know i think it was probably where we are. I don't think we can expect to be competitive in the Champions Cup this season. So, um, you know, I think it's still disappointing, though, because uh, I think a lot of the rhetoric before the season was about pushing on to top four. And I think that, uh, you know, th- there are times at the club where the, the positive thinking maybe does raise expectations and uh, and then we come up a bit short. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think at the end of last season, when you look at the players we lost... Um, even with all that optimism and all that funding, you can't lose players like Cipriani and Tommy Taylor, who are that integral to the squad. And I think it was probably a bit of yeah optimism on our part to think that we could sort of ride out those losses over the new season with replacements like AJ McGinty, who's not played in the Premiership before, Dan Mugford coming from the Championship. And then at Hooker, we had, well, we had Rob Webber, who managed to break his arm in the first game of the season. So... Um, yeah, I think, I think you know, it was uh, it wasn't the most solid of foundations to be going on from. I, I'm I'm keen not to turn this podcast straight into uh, a sale bashing uh, event. Bashing. Uh, contrary contrary to what a lot of my, my the, the Twitter followers seem to think of uh, <laughs> of the blog, um, but do you think we can chalk up uh, the relative disappointment of this season 
to the to, to management overstating our ambitions for this year. So, you know, obviously before the season, there was a lot of talk about top four and pushing on. And, and like Alex said, you know, uh, uh, even despite losing, um, you know, Danny Cipriani, Tommy Taylor, Vadim Kobias as well, you know, obviously a, a big cornerstone of the pack. You know, do, do you think we started this season on the wrong foot but by dimes having this this, this talk of, of finishing in the top four when when perhaps we should have been focusing on um, on a, a staying you know, staying steady and, and you know fighting for the top six and would that have lessened the disappointment for this season maybe maybe I can see why he's done it though you know they're trying to create a little bit of uh, energy and excitement about the future after the takeover and you could argue that it did work to some extent because we've signed up a lot of our young stars for on long-term contracts for the future whereas we've often gone into that january transfer window um just worrying that we're going to lose all our best players and then actually losing them so i i think that i can understand why why they've done it um but I, but potentially did set ourselves up to to fail against those expectations yeah i think well when you look at you know is it two three seasons ago when we were in an absolute relegation dogfight and it's genuine you know, 10, 12 losses on the bounce, whatever it was. Like, you know, you can't um, you can't complain too much at having a fairly solid season. You know, Champions Cup is always um, really tough for us, especially when you get teams like Saracens and Toulon in uh, in your pool. So, in in that respect, it it, it could have been worse. I'll say that. <laughs> well, of course, it could have been worse. We could have been relegated, mm. but. Uh... Actually, I want to I want to talk about that a little bit. Actually, um, so I remember coming away from that Bristol game in in, in January, um, and you know having having thrown away the lead and uh, having lost to the team that was rooted to the bottom of the table. Um, do you, which which part of the table do you think Sale are actually close? You know, actually. Let me rephrase this. What do you think is a better reflection of sales season? The fact that we should have been pushing for top four or the fact that we were not lucky, but firmly murdered in a, re- uh, in a relegation dogfight? Um, well, I mean, I wasn't expecting to be in a relegation dogfight, to be honest. Um, having said that, I, th- I, think it was, I think it was the Gloucester game earlier on in the season where we lost at home. Um, I think, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the game where sort of Dan Mugford was playing on one leg. Um, we had the sub sub James yeah, I think off it as was. well, and yeah. And and at that point in the season, I, I was thinking, well, actually, even that early on, I thought, well, top four was not going to be not going to be an option. So it quickly, you know, even way before we got into the relegation dogfight, I think my expectations on top four changed. Um, Bristol game um, was just really frustrating, actually, because we won that game twice. Diamond was absolutely correct with, I thought, with his analysis of that game. Um, and I felt that we just folded under the pressure. Um, it was very difficult to watch. Like, you know, the team that you supported just really just struggled to cope with that with that pressure. And, you know, Bristol were just on the upward curve then. That, you know, it looked like they could go on and win quite a few more games. And thankfully they didn't. And they, they lost a, a, a couple more Um and we managed to scrape a couple of wins and uh, and then it looked a little bit safer for us. So I think after the Bristol game, I did think we might get relegated, <laughs> but it wasn't long after that. We had to wait a little bit, didn't we? Because we had to go from there back into the Champions Cup. Um, but then we put in a really good, solid perform- uh, performance away at Toulon. Um, and, you know, we picked up a couple of wins 
Um, so I think 10th, yeah, it's probably about right, um, to be honest. Yeah, it's probably a reflection of the fact that the teams sort of around us, including those historically up at the top of the championship, are getting a lot stronger as well. When you look at, you know, five years ago, you had teams like Newcastle, Worcester going down and coming straight back up, and now you have teams that go down and there's a possibility that they'll never come back up. So with Bristol, London Irish, Worcester, Newcastle, they're all teams that we've sort of, part Bristol accepted, we've historically competed with, and they're all strengthening. So you can't can't expect to, um, you know, stay at the same level, which is why the investment has probably come at a good time. Yeah, well, moving on to perhaps, perhaps happier things. Um, a lot of debate sort of since the season finished over... Um, who has been sort of the, the best signing of, of our season? Now, I think we can all agree that the recruitment perhaps uh, was a little bit off mark. Um, some of the players who came in didn't bet in quite as quickly. Um, as Alex said at the start, you know, you're replacing some pr- pretty big names um, in Taylor, Cipriani and, and Kobias. Um, but a lot of talk now that we've sort of, you, you know, put a bit of form together at the end of the season uh, and obviously, you know, kept up in, in a relatively comfortable fashion. Um, I know I've, I've got my three, but I'm interested to hear, um, y- you know, the pair of your thoughts first over who, who do you think has been sales, sales best signing of the season? Yeah, um, well, I think obviously a lot of there will be a big shout out for Denny Solomona and, and what he has done and scoring tries even in, in our bad patch in January. He's still scoring tries and, and you know, you've got to have a, a bit of class to that. But I don't want to dwell too much on, on, on Denny because he's getting a lot of plaudits everywhere else, deservedly so. I, I want to give a shout-out to two to two people. Firstly, uh, Byron McGuigan, who um, I slagged off on Twitter before the end of the season, <laughs> being a, a massively average signing by a sort of an, an Exeter reserve player. Um, and uh, and I've, had, I've been made to eat my words, so, I, you know, I want to... Uh, Apologise to Byron, and, and you know he's been the, the the effort that he puts in. He puts in a huge shift defensively. He's massively good under the high ball. He um, covered for Haley at the beginning of the season at fullback, and acquitted himself very very well. And then towards the end of the season, I thought he really came into his own and actually um, showed he wasn't just a safe second choice fullback. He's actually you know pushing uh, Josh Charnley, uh, Paolo Adogwu for a wing space and scored. Pretty much our best try of the se- individual try of the season uh, with some amazing skills. So that McGuigan um, is the first shout out, and the second shout out is to Mike Phillips, who um, I did spend the first half of the season also slacking off, <laughs> uh, and actually again unfairly. You know, you come in as a as a uh, you know, there's not a, a fly half that's bedded in at the club, um, and you know he's sort of coming in and learning the calls, learning the ropes, learning a way of playing. Um, the, the team was struggling the pack was getting beaten up in front of him um, and actually he finished the season incredibly strongly you know it was pretty much the first name on the team sheet by the end of the season um, and I think that there's probably a, a more story than we know in terms of the influence that he's had on the squad especially in the tough time keeping spirits up um, bringing that experience making light of the situation um, and then you know going to war on the pitch and so I think there's two players there who um, really showed that they valued putting the Sail Sharks jersey on. Um, and if, you know, we know that that means a lot to Steve Diamond, um, you compare it to maybe one or two of the other players this year who, you know, went missing in action when times got tough. Those two definitely didn't go missing. 
I think um, yeah, I, I think you've picked up on um, some of the points I actually wanted to make. Um, I, I agree um, completely about um, uh, Byron McGuigan, um, who uh, I actually think is, has definitely been perhaps perhaps one of the most unheralded players in the entire team this season. Um, like you said, I, I thought it was a bit of a bit of a backup, bit of a versatility signing um, when the announcement was made uh, in in August. I think it was. Um, but I've been so impressed by his, by his commitment, by his work rate in defence. You know, and he's got you know he's he's got a very nice sort of turn of pace on him anyway. And like like you said, he's he scored some actually. You know, he was our second highest try scorer this season with six. And you know, a lot of the time it is just being in the right You're place at the right time. Glad you've done your research coming into the <laughs> podcast. I've all. So uh, yeah, good shout. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think McGuigan is as you know he was he was so. Uh, so integral to the team in the early part of the season because he was playing at wing, he, he was playing at fullback with Haley recovering from that shoulder injury. Um, I think he, you know, maybe even spent a bit of time at, uh, at you know at thirteen at one point, and I think he's he's had you know such a, such an impact um, in, in terms of being that versatile squad player, you know, that all good teams have um, to slot in, you know, almost a, a sort of a Chris Wiles type, um, you know, for in sale colours. Um, Probably disagree a little bit about Phillips. I think um, I agree with you. I, I wasn't a big fan of his at the start of the season. I, I think his game definitely did get better um, as the season went on. Um, and again, I, I think you're right in saying that there's probably a big influence um, he had behind the scenes. You know, you only have to look at, at, at the announcement of his retiring and all the sale players on Twitter. You know, um, applauding sort of the you know the impact he's had on on their game. Hear you. So, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I think he's been been quite a quite a steady, independent player. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely give a lot of kudos to, to, to Byron McGregor, who's definitely up there, up there for me. But uh, what, what about you, Alex? Who do you think is, uh, who do you think should go down as sort of sales, you know, signing of the season? I do have this very strong desire to just say Denny Solomona because he just lights up the pitch. But you do have to look past it. I, I think Denny has a little bit for me of echoes of the Dan Braid coming in halfway through the season and just providing something that is a bit of a class above a bit of a a very different in a very different way because Dan Braid was you know winning turnovers in crucial positions but when you've got a guy that can score tries against wasps for fun then you know it just I think that provides a bit of confidence to the team but I'd also say Bryn Evans has been again just a bit of class and it's probably well, you've got McGuigan, Denny, Bryn Evans, who are all New Zealanders to a point um, with Denny, but we won't go any, any further into that. But <laughs> yeah, you, you know, Evans is just, um, I think, in an area where we've been a bit lacking this season in the second row, with Beaumont sort of making that move in, having not had the amount of experience you may be wanting to have, George not coming through, Ostrikov being... Uh, Ostrikov with his loose hands and sort of rampaging <laughs> runs. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think he's he's it's been it's been pretty crucial. I did actually also do some research, James, which you'll you'll like. I read the Sail Sharks Opta Stats article, but apparently <laughs> Bryn Evans has had the most lineouts stolen in the league and the second most lineouts won. So you know, not that I'm going to read too much into stats, but he is just um, a pretty safe pair of hands in the lineout and then a pretty impressive centre-like pair of hands in open play as well which um which so yeah I think I think 
Evans and Byron McGregor, I'd definitely agree with you, but I don't want to rehash any of your points. <laughs> I, one name I'm surprised hasn't uh, come up, actually, um, and I'll, I'll throw this one out to you two, um, because I'm interested to see you know, how, how much weight you put on his impact. Um, but Rob Webber, in terms of the impact he made at Hawker, because I think... Um, I'm, I keep going back to the same point Alex made at the start of the, start of the podcast, and it's you know um, replacing you know some of the most integral members of the sale team is is always going to be difficult. Um, and I don't think for a moment anybody expected Rob Webber to come in and be a like flight replacement for Tommy Taylor because you know to be perfectly honest, um, as, as good as Rob Webber is, he, he sort of capped out as a. Um, you know, an occasional England starter. Whereas, you know, um, depending on what happens, I genuinely think Tommy Taylor could, you know, still feature for the Lions. He, you know, he has that much potential. Um, and obviously, you know, at the start of the season, he broke his arm and, and, and obviously struggled to get back to fitness. Um, you know, to, to make an immediate impact. Um, but I think in terms in terms of sort of impact signings and and and, and you know influence and, and importance on the team, um, I definitely think you know you know some praise must go go Weber's way um, just because you know he's um, he's handled himself so well in the scrum. He's given us a bit of ballast when um, when we've sort of struggled with a with with a younger and a lightweight pack. Um, I think the other point as well is um, the concerns over his uh, line out um, throwing turned out to be more uh, a fact, more an influence on. Uh, uh, of a Bath's sort of system rather than um, Weber's ability alone. Um, I think something else that, that often um, goes amiss is that Weber uh, is so good at running lines um, when, uh, when mm. the team are in possession. He's one of the only players that you constantly see moving, moving at speed towards the line, you know, demanding the ball. Um, and I think just this combination of, of, of the impact he's had on so many different areas um, definitely has him um, up there for me. I mean, you know, I, I agree. I think that, you know, the impact Solomon made is, is, is almost Dan Braid-esque in terms of just giving the team a lift when, you know, um, you, you know, they were on a 10-game losing run in the middle of the season. Um, but I think, you know, when, when viewed sort of all together, um, you know, behind the scenes and on the field impact and everything, you know, I think there's, there is a strong case to be made uh, for Rob Webber um, to perhaps go down as a sales signing of the season, even if, you know, he was he was never going to be able to quite replicate the impact of, of Tommy Taylor. Yeah, I think because uh, he didn't play the whole season, that might be one of the reasons why I left him off. And, and also because he probably is a little bit unsung this year. Um, and I absolutely agree with all of those points. You know, I remember when he came, people said he was he was overweight. Um, his line-out throwing was erratic at Bath. They didn't seem that upset about losing him, to be honest. Um, and he came, came in and broke his arm like first game of the season. Um, and then first two or three games, not surprisingly for Hooker and one of the, the key roles on, on the pitch, he just struggled to bet him. But actually, you know, his line-out throwing has been superb. I think he's been part of a solid but not spectacular scrum. I, but I think that's partly because I don't think Harrison is a, a destructive scrummager. I think he's mainly a defensive scrummager. And I think that um, Olika and Longbottom, Longbottom from a fitness point of view, um, and Olika, who's probably not known from his scrummaging before he came here, <laughs> I think Weber was a big part of a uh, big part of really you know getting a good scrum on and i agree with you on those running lines you know sale in the past have been criticized for maybe just taking the ball a bit too static um and he can be one or two out he often runs off mcginty um and runs at pace and he can also take the ball at pace just one out as well which is absolutely fantastic he has to be careful not to get isolated sometimes um but i i agree with you yeah, and we can hope he broke his arm in the last game of the season, didn't he? Yes, yeah, uh, same place. So, same place. So, with it, yeah, I didn't know it was the same place. That's the worry. 
Yeah. <laughs> is he so, going to be back for the beginning of the season? Do we know? I think he missed about two, two, two and a half months um, at the start of the season because he came back. I think it was away at Bristol. He had a bit of a bit of a nightmare actually. I don't think he hit any of his uh, uh, any any of his throws in that first game back. But um, you'd imagine, obviously, we're now in at the end of May. You know, we should be back in time for September um, and be back in training anyway. Good. Yeah, you would hope. You would hope he doesn't turn into a Will Addison. Injury. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, actually, the, the, that that makes for, for quite a nice segue um, because we've you've touched on it a little bit, Alex. Anyway, but uh, in, you know, we, if you all say you know Barry McGugan, Danny Solomon, uh, Rob Webb have been some of the, the top signings of the season. Um, how how much does do those three factor into your overall sort of player of the season, you know, um, sort of rankings? Because you know, Alex has said, you know, Brent Evans has been been so important um, to the team, um, especially because of his lineout ability. Um, and you've again touched on Will Addison there, who I, who I know would have got a lot of um, votes votes in his favour, uh, especially after the season's sort of first half. But uh, um, in terms of player of the season, you know, I I, I think there's a couple of names um, that I want to float out there, but uh, I'm intrigued to see, you know, who who else has sort of caught their eye and, and put the name up as being, you know, the the best performance for sale this season. So yeah, I mean, Will Addison, I thought um, yeah, at, at times in that in when it was time was tough, it was uh, we were like a one man team really in the backs. Um, it felt like he was creating everything, he was kicking goals. Um, he was captain in the side when there's no Josh Beaumont, and actually, you could say that that was the turning point of us for the season. Um, it wasn't perfect from there on in. We lost at home to Northampton, very poor performance. But but generally, um, I felt that Will Allison showed leadership capabilities that we need to um, take advantage of. Um, again, another injury this year. It 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 does it it does. I'm sure he's the most frustrated out of everybody about it because, I mean, he'd be going to Argentina, no doubt about it now, if he had managed to stay fit. Um, he really has been extraordinary for us. Um, but I would probably say, just for the course of the season and the depth of the squad behind him, Ross Harrison um, was a bit of like a Cobbler situation from two years ago or uh, where we which was like you know, 80 minutes every week, which in this day and age for a prop is... Uh, is is almost unheard of you know you'd get um you know Flynn coming on for the last two or three minutes um so Harrison's extremely fit um he's not picked up an injury and actually after a couple of seasons of maybe treading water a little bit um bit of a failed experiment moving to tight head although having said that last game of the season playing tight head he put in a reasonably good <laughs> shift uh which surprised me but um no I think that for me Ross Harrison um is player of the season yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably have to agree um, because I think yeah, it is really easy to underestimate and not notice how hard it is to stay in that front row for eighty minutes. And um, you know, I think he's probably, from what I've heard on when Steve Borthwick and Eddie Jones came down to sale a couple of weeks ago, he is very much on their radar now. And I think it's, it's probably deserved, even though there's a big queue of people ahead of him. Um, you know, I think he's he's definitely got the potential to um, sort of get into it next season, and hopefully with a a bit more backup, you can um, you know condense the eighty minute performances of you know pretty decent into sixty minute blitz performances, and and then really attract the attention that yeah, I think I think he deserves. Yeah, I mean, I think you both covered the the, the players. I definitely um, reserve special special mention for Harrison. Um, as you've all said, as you know, it's been absolutely superb this season. And, and like you said, James, it is it is almost a Kobe esque situation where he's just been asked to play so many minutes and has performed so well 
um, d- despite the sort of work, um, you know, despite the sort of toll it must have taken on him over the course of the season. Um, and, I, and like you said, Alex, I think obviously again another special mention for Bryn, Bryn Evans, who I think has you know just been superb. He's I think um, I again another stat for you, for you two. Uh, he's played the most minutes of any uh, any player of sale this season which you know you know like Harrison he's there you know 80 minutes week in week out and not not just you know performing adequately you know actually making making a difference um in and around the pitch and you know you just have to look at uh, that that steal against Bath you know in the 79th minute um you know uh, a couple of weeks ago just to see you know the, the you know how, how how herculean the efforts these players are, are, are coming up with you know to, to to be so good for for such a long period of time um, you know, I think it's absolutely superb. But, um, but I mean, it, it, in what has been something of a bit, bit of a disappointment, disappointing season, I think we can all agree. Um, do you have, you know, uh, a special place for for any particular moment? You know, do you, you know what can you say was probably the the, the defining moment or, or the highlight of, of the season for Sale in in what has perhaps been a, a little bit, a little bit of a disappointing campaign from 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 start to finish, really. Um moment when we mathematically uh stayed up <laughs> I mean, that's gotta be my, <laughs> my my favorite moment uh i mean you fear for sale if we ever did go down there we've had the investment in but there's always been a sense of you know would we ever have the infrastructure or the desire to to come back up and the lack of other teams in the northwest i think that just makes it a bit more of a scary scenario and, you know and i i i i started going to watch sale at haywood road i was ball ball, ball boy at haywood road 300 years ago whenever it was that I went and so yeah I think there's always the fear about going down so that that but on performance issue, you know side of things I think the way the way uh, game in in Toulon um, you know but, but in fact you know in the Champions Cup we, we put in a few really good performances um, against Saracens as well um, put in a really good performance and I think that was when you knew that we had enough inners to stay up that we actually we were actually started to put in some performances even when we were losing them and even the, the Bristol game um, we actually played extraordinarily well for about 60 minutes of that game just had an absolute shocker for 20 and lost it mm-hmm. so um, you know it's all fine margins isn't it you pick up a couple of wins here or there and suddenly you're fighting for the seventh spot to go into a playoff of the Champions Cup yeah, I've obviously been away for a lot of this season, so I haven't actually been able to see a lot of the games. But I do remember waking up one morning in New Zealand time zone and seeing that we'd beaten Wasps at home <laughs> and just being absolutely... Just not really believing what I was seeing as BBC Sport notified me of... Not know. just beat either. We didn't just yeah. beat them, Wasps. We, we properly smashed them. Yeah, <laughs> which is always sweet. I, th- um, I think yeah. it is, yeah. I think that, that that sort of personal. I mean, it's a very sort of um, older older sibling, younger sibling sort of rivalry between Sale and, and Wasps <laughs> in a way. Um, but I, I, I definitely have that as yeah, my, definitely my defining moment of the season. Um, just um, the manner in which Sale sort of took them apart in the first half, and you, you know, even though they let them back in in, in the second, um, you know, just it was almost a complete eighty minute. Boring if we didn't let a team back in, Lewis. That would be just you know, <laughs> not just going to win easy. Yeah, it was just got to give got to give the opposition a chance. It'd be quite nice actually to, to one day just you know to, to play Saracens esque and just you know beat a team you know from from minute one to minute eighty and you know win, win with about twelve point margin or something and and just not have to worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that um, we'll, we'll we'll put that on the to-do list for next year. I think it's partly because <laughs> of the players we've got as well, and being able to control a game for that long we find difficult. And then there's a couple of times where we just lose we just lose concentration, and you know we we we're one of those teams that if you concede one try, 
it, it's, it's actually quite likely yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to concede another in the next sort of six or seven minutes. Um, you know, my, I'm a season ticket holder, even though I don't live up north, and my dad goes to watch absolutely every game. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things, it's just a stressful thing watching Sale. Um, you build it into your life. Um, <laughs> no. I, I think the, the other moment for the season, if I may, was when Denny Solomona scored a try away at Northampton in the corner in a losing effort um, that was just one of the most extraordinary things I think I've ever seen. Um, and that's when you knew that that we'd signed someone uh, really very special um, and he's got better with, with every single game. So I think that's a, that was a moment where, you know, you're locked in, you know, you could, we could get a, a eight, nine years out of Denny Solomona and he could <laughs> become a world star. And I think that that was the moment where I thought, oh God, you don't see that sort of finish in rugby union very often. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you've been reading the notes I sent you before the podcast because um, you, you've preempted the, uh, the the next segue. Because I was going to ask, you know, we we were talking about sort of a moment of the season, and I, and I thought, you know, within within you know the sort of performance of the season, you know, is there a is there a standout try? You know, is it you know what was the uh, what was the best you know the best best bit of scoring that you'd seen? And uh, I think uh, I think you might have hinted that it was the the Denny Solomona one for, for for Northampton. But 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 what do you think, Alex? You know. Um, you know, you, you talk a lot about the um, about that wasp game. Is, there, is it, you know, is it in there, or is it is it just you know another sort of one sprinkled in um, throughout that sort of? Uh, um, you know, obviously you were in New Zealand for for much of the last season. Was there anything that uh, you thought I've just got to see this somehow? You know, Twitter, YouTube, BT Sport, whatever it is. Yeah, there was a lot um, a lot of games that I had to put myself through watching, where because um, I already knew the results, so having to you know watch us lose away and on, on a cold Friday night in various places was always a bit of a, <laughs> a tough one. Um, I mean, seeing seeing Denny put Christian Wade in all sorts of trouble, not entirely, you know, of his own skill and making, but just watching Christian Wade fall over and Denny Solomon run under the post <laughs> was quite good. But I think so, that so I was going to interject, actually. Um, but it, it always makes me laugh that that try is featured so highly on all the sale um, tries of the season videos, um, yes. even in even in sales own marketing campaign. Because you look at it and you think, well, y- you know, when you actually dissect it, Solomona, you know, kicks it a little bit too far, and he gets very lucky that Christian Awful Wade falls kick, over. Yeah, yeah. He, he shanks it off. Yeah, he hits it on the inside of his foot. It wasn't supposed yeah. to go anywhere near where it went. But anyway, <laughs> When you watch Johnny Wilkinson's drop goal from 2003 back, that you actually realise it's one of the worst drop goals he's ever hit. It just <laughs> creeps over by about 10 feet, but no one remembers that, do they? No, I guess yeah, so. I, 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 guess... I remember hitting it with his right foot, which, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> there's not many of us who can drop kick off the, off the other foot. I guess perhaps um, sales sales use of that Solomona try is just uh, just indicative of their belief in that fortune favors the brave, you know. And uh, yeah. you, 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 you've got to try a few things and, and see what comes off. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I can definitely understand uh, why, why you like the um, why you, why you did enjoy that one. But are there any others? Yeah. Uh, the the yeah. Byron McGregor got... chip. Yeah. What what a piece of just you saw him one on one and all those doubts came back into your head and then he chipped it over and caught it and it, it all just faded away the pickup the pickup itself was deserving of moment of the season i think off that chip because that was hard enough but yeah i think, I think there was that... a couple of other tries that stick stick in the mind for me i think there was a um a try from mike Haley earlier on in the season actually he had a quite a poor first half of the season i think but uh uh hit hit the line at speed uh, might have been Bath. I can't 100% remember who we were playing. 
Um, and that was a good, a really good, uh, well-worked try. And then towards the end of the season, Ben Curry came off the bench. Uh, Tom Curry had started the game and sort of ran around like a lunatic um, uh, and was then disappointed that he got substituted, um, even though he could barely walk off the pitch. Um, he was so exhausted. He got a standing ovation. Ben Curry comes on, gets the ball flying out, hacks it all the way down the pitch, and then rips the ball on the try line and scores himself. It was just like it was just just one player playing the game by himself for about ninety seconds <laughs> to score. Um, and both both of the Curries, I think, uh, you know, uh, that game was you know people were sort of uh, sort of chanting like the Curry names. And I'm thinking, gosh, these people are 18. I hope we're not putting too much expectation. And Eddie Jones very helpfully then selected them to go to Argentina. <laughs> uh, so are no longer our sort of best-kept secret. But, they're, yeah, they're going to be special, aren't they? Yeah, that's, that's, let's just go back to that, that McGuigan try, though, because there's, there's something I did want to say about that. You know, do, do you, I'm sure you both remember the sort of Sam James, you know, um, uh, you know, moments of arrival against Northampton uh, last season. You know, where he, he takes the ball and chips it over Stephen Myler and and collects it. You know, do, do you think you know Sal just like practices stuff in training? You know, on the uh, you know on their off days and uh, you know just for a bit of fun. It's just like you know, can you can you dink it over the last man and uh, and collect it? Because you know, it's it's not the first time we've seen that. And I must admit, you know, that that definitely has to stick in the mind as as as, as one of the best tries. Um, you, you know, we've seen this this season. Um, and it is just it is impressive just the, the level of individual skill that some of these some of these players have. Um, but I mean, I, as far as tries of the seasons go, I, I really, I mean, you just look at Denny Solomon's sort of record, and there's just there's just so many um, to sort of choose from. I mean, that that you know, like I said, with that try against uh, Wasp, so where he, where he kicks it over Wade, um, you know, is, is is featured quite highly. But I mean, the the first try he scores in that game, um, you know, picking it up from the back of the rock and just going straight through the middle was was perhaps the best team try we've 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 done all season. Yeah, just because that was really well worked. Mike Phillips coming through, taking people out of the uh, of the rock area and just creating that space for Danny Solomon. That was very clever indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the, the other the other one that that sticks in my mind, you know, that that Northampton try, you know, that you know we, we just mentioned about Sam James's sort of uh, you know arrival on the big stage. What what a superb score that was, you know, to just to just so acrobatically leap over the line and, and score in the, the tiniest area um, that he was given to work with was was just superb. Um, and I think you know, I mean, I, I could probably list off most of the tries he scored this season. But did anyone remember the the, the one he scored away? Um, at Harlequins, the second one he scored, where it was TJ Yoani of all people who do put the crossfield kick in, and Solomon oh, comes yeah, up yeah. with this superb like shoelace catch, uh, you know, to, to to pick it up by by the you know his fingertips and then just sort of scramble over. Um, and you just, you just you just you just look at these, some of these some of these scores, and like you said, James, it's 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 almost as if you know it's like what a what a talent we've managed to find here, and and you know really bring you know bring a bit of life into into you know sale at a point where you know that the, the season was sort of struggling a little bit. But I I actually want to put a shout for his final try. I think it was his final try of the season, um, where he nearly put Tom Homer in hospital um, by just sort of <laughs> running straight over him. I mean. I think that just shows a little bit of a different side to Solomona, who up to then I felt was quite a silky, smooth runner um, and just a natural-born finisher, which is in the right place at the right time. I'm, I'm pretty quick um, as to go with it. But actually, I think he showed the sign of what can come next year because in that game against against Bath, 
he was picking the ball up more in in the middle of the field. We were trying to get him on the ball a lot more, um, and he actually steps off his right there. He wasn't out, right out on the wing like he has been doing. He's basically been going back a lot backwards and forwards on the touchline. He was well in field at this point and had someone outside him stepped inside off his right foot, um, and that's the first time I've seen like Buckingham like do an enormous side step and then just show brute strength which I don't think we've also seen that much of. He just ran just just clean over Tom Homer. Like you, Tom Homer's face, I put it on pause on the television. <laughs> he does not know what has just happened. Like, you know, he looks like a little schoolboy and Solomona was really pumped up for that. Um and I think he's got way way more to come. And actually he can put his foot through the ball as well. Um and can clear it quite a long way. At the moment the kicking game's not natural for him. But I think that that is another element of his game which will improve as, as as he plays more. It's quite impressive as well how, I mean, all rugby league wingers have got that finishing, you know, ability to, you know, finish it in the corner with a ridiculous acrobatic jump over everyone. But not a lot of them manage to transfer it to Union for whatever reason, whether it's that there's more players. But he he's, has, he's one of the only ones I've seen of, of the the few rugby league players that have come over that have managed to really translate his skills and actually keep hold of those sort of things that you you, th- you watch rugby league players and you think they'd be great in union and he's actually managed to to replicate it on the field for us which has been probably part of the reason that he's he's been so class all season well we'll go from um, perhaps one of the signings of the season to uh, perhaps taking a look at a slightly negative, uh, more negative part of it. Um, we, we've spoken about Solomon and McGuigan and, and Weber and some of the some of the other players who made such a such a strong impact. But um, going back to sales recruitment ahead of the season, you know, are, are there any players that you think have, have come in and, and performed, you know, you know, fairly below expectations? Um, whether that's just because the expectations placed upon them have been too high, or they've just sort of struggled to, um, to you know, to bed in and, and fit in with sale. Um, well, I mean, I think the McGinty's the obvious one to start, and, and uh, it feels unfair to say that because I think he he did finish the season much more strongly, um, and I think that to be honest, we were putting him out on the pitch. I remember a Worcester game um, earlier on in the season; he was clearly, you know, he was clearly nowhere near fit. I don't think, um, and it's difficult to come in and replace someone like Cipriani. He's a completely different player. Um, Diamond, I think, said himself. That we've had to alter the way we play a little bit so that McGinty can fit in. Um, but I still think that overall, when you take it over across the whole season, that, that maybe you know he didn't have expectations. Um, but I do think he's done enough finishing the season. If he can stay fit, that he deserves to be number one going into the next year and see if he can nail down that place. Because you know he's uh, he is putting he puts himself about. He's brave. He's he's getting his kicking at goal sources with 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 uh, John Collard, and that's worked. Um, I think uh, Lawrence Pierce as well. I think um, you know. I think he did have a, a patch just before he got injured, where he started to show maybe a, an element to his game with strong ball carrying that, that Josh Beaumont had been struggling with earlier in the year. So it wasn't. He's, it's not as if he again. I think a bit like McGinty, he's shown enough to see to tell us that there's enough talent in there to be excited about him next year. Um, but overall disappointing struggled to get in the first team for the beginning part of the year started the season actually didn't he, he started at, at six or at eight he started at eight and Beaumont he started at, at eight and Beaumont at six yeah 
yeah at, at Newcastle um, and we just picked a, a pack to run over Newcastle and it all it didn't happen and Mugford missed that kick at goal um, but uh, you know he then for some reason Dan wasn't going anywhere near him maybe he wasn't fit enough I heard some rumours about that um, then he did get a run, and then he got injured, and again, then struggled to get back into the into the team. So I think you've got to say that overall, in a season where our first choice number eight was struggling with injuries um, and confidence and form, that Pierce not able uh, being able to show enough competition in that position overall, you know, is slightly disappointing. Yeah, and I think with with AJ going back to him, he's sort of. He's had to come in and not only has he got all this expectation coming from Connacht and having, you know, winning the Pro 12 against all expectations, but then we've effectively cleared out our fly-off position at the end of last season through some through choice, others not. And he's become this sort of the senior squad member in that position. From And then he's also got Phillips and Stringer, who were both... So were they they were both new to the club at the start of this season. Uh, Stringer, so was, yeah, yeah, Stringer, yeah. Stringer been here a year before. Yeah. Um, and and then Mitchell, who's not really had any game time. So I think it was it was probably a poison chalice for him to come and have to um, have sort of expectation on him. You know, it's he it, it was never no one ever saw him as a replacement for Cipriani, and I think we all knew that he was going to be a very different type of player. But to then have his backup as Dan Mugford, who's played in the championship and with all due respect, you know, needed someone, I think someone different to AJ McGinty. You've got two fly halves who are trying to make their name at a club and learn, learn the league, learn, you know, learn the club, learn the ways of the club. So I think, yeah, I, f- I feel bad for AJ. And I think the end of mm. this season showed that maybe next season he, he could have a much, a much brighter season. So, yeah, I'll, I, I think I'm positive about well, him. I hope season. so. I hope so because as it stands, he's our only ten going into next <laughs> year. So if he, if he doesn't, then I think we're we're in big trouble. You see, I'm, I'm Sam I'm, James. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm definitely an AJ ap- apologist, um, you know, so to speak, because I think he, he did get a lot of stick throughout the season, um, and I think the situation, like like Alex said, is that he's been put into is is a very difficult one. You know, he's he's basically come in asked to replace, you know, arguably one of the most talented fly halves you know Sale have ever had. Um, you know, no one can doubt uh, Cipriani's independent, you know, uh, individual skill. Um, you know, and to come into that position and and you know be asked to, um, you know, to handle duties with you, you know two two uh, halfbacks you've you never played with before, and the fact as well that you know like Rob Webber he got injured you know the first game of the season and he was still you know he, we were sort of having to trot him out for, with games where he's only half fit you know because you know the options beyond him were you know Dan Mugford uh, you know who who were quite you know. Um, who played well, you know, in, in the appearances he did make, but, you know, it was clear that he isn't going to be the, the player to push us, you know, into the top four. Um, and obviously the, the only other option is Tom Morton, you know, who's, who's I don't think has actually featured in a premiership game, um, or, 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 you know, whilst it, during his time at Sale. Um, so I definitely think, you know, we haven't quite seen the best for AJ McGinsey. He looks, he looks a lot better with certain players around him than not. Um, I think, you know, he was definitely a victim of the, the constant reshuffling we had, you know, in the back line at the start of the season with, with Haley and, and uh, Addison and Stringer, you know, all, all missing missing substantial amounts of time. Um, and I, I I agree with both of you. I think he's shown enough at the end of the season, and um, you know, really suggests that you know there is still better things to come from him. Um, but I I definitely think I have uh, uh, someone to trot 
uh, someone to trump um, any of the names you, you two have put out uh, so far. I mean, surely the, the worst signing of the season has to be Lou Reed, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten. I mean, he was an emergency <laughs> signing, wasn't he? Because uh, we missed out on Korea, who went and uh, disappeared to Toulon to get a tan. And so we had to get an extra second go in last minute. So, yeah, but I mean, I knew right from the season, you know, released by Cardiff, um, you know, I went down to the, you know, sort of the preseason thing and, you know, he, he never looked looked fit. So I don't think he was ever signed to be kind of like <laughs> Korea. In the squad. I think he was there as an emergency, um, to be honest. Um, I think that Kieran Longbottom, I think it was his first season with us this year, wasn't it? Yes, I think yeah. that, I think to be fair, again, he he was signed with a kind of like, uh, you know, he he, sh- he showed enough at Saracens when he was fit that he could be a good player, um, but he had an horrific injury record, and we took him on new in that as our third, like, tight head really, um, and he started to prove a little bit of fitness just doing bits and bobs here and there. Then we released Majority. And uh, Longbottoms unfortunately got injured again towards the end of the year, but he he's he's not been trusted to start a game, and and when he has, he got injured, didn't he? So I mean, I, I think that as it stands at the moment, he needs to get fit for next year, otherwise he could be a, a failed signing as well. Um, but I wish him all the best because he's he's Adam Mayer. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like you said, you, you've got to take the context into these situations, you know, about about the efficiency of, of, of some of these signings. Um, but I think I was—I must admit—I I, I was a big fan of the Kieran Longbottom signing. I thought, um, you know, he, he'd equated himself very well um, at the Western Force and then at Saracens. You know, I remember—I remember reading a Telegraph article. Um, I think it was in 2014. Um, yeah. That suggested uh, he might be, you know, you know, called up for England, you know, at some point because he's got English ancestry, um, and obviously, you know, he, he's been out for basically two years with, you know, recurring foot injuries, and obviously it was always going to be difficult for him. But I must admit, you know, um, was kind of hoping, especially after Mujati left, um, that you, you'd start to see him take on a, a a bit bit more importance in in the team, um, especially in in relief of Alika, who who a bit like Ross Harrison was being asked to play, you know, seventy five, seventy six minutes at a time, you know. Um, you know, for con- you know consecutive weeks, and and you you have to think um, if, if that's the case, you know, perhaps there is something more happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. That you know, long bottom is isn't fit, and uh, you know, and, and can't seem to handle you know the the, the rigor of the Premiership, um, you know, which is definitely disappointing. But you know, like you said, there was some glimpses of what he could do, and he you know he's a mobile carrier, and um, you know, his scrummaging was you know I think a bit hit and miss, and. I remember, I think it was David Flatman who pointed out his when he scrummages, his, his feet are quite far back, and um, that makes him a bit of a, a bit of a risk to collapse. But you know, he's another player who, uh, a bit like AJ McGinty, I think you know you got to look at the injuries and you got to look at the, the team he came into, and, and you know, hope that uh, with uh, you know another another year of uh, uh, another sort of summer of training under his belt, he should hopefully be be back to the best that he's that he's shown with with some other teams. Um, I mean, he's definitely badly injured now. I saw on Twitter that he's. He's doing some gym work, but I think uh, I don't know when he's going to be due back. I don't know if he's going to be back pre-season, but uh, he's definitely in recovery. So I don't know how bad that injury was with him. But you know, Dimes has acted to get more depth in at tight head. In fact, we've got so many tight heads now going into <laughs> next season. Poor Ross Harrison, though. You know, you know, chin up, mate. You're doing eighty every week again. But we've got <laughs> six, six tight heads, so everything's fine. Um, but yeah. I guess he's just retrospectively, um, 
you know, covering for his mistake of not signing anyone to, to replace Kobe Ass. Um, you know, uh, in that, I think it was 2014-15 where Kobe Ass was the only tight head and, uh, yeah, the, there was literally no one else behind him apart from, I think, Kieran Parker, who was must have only been sort of 18, 19 at the time. So, uh, yeah, perhaps, perhaps Dimes is, uh, has still got that firmly implanted in his mind and is uh, now neglecting the other side of the scrum instead. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep... Someone's we'll... going to be... Well, you know... Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that momentarily. Um, we'll, we'll keep with the negative theme for now, though. Um, we, we talked... We, <laughs> Brilliant. We, we, we talked, we talked <laughs> to the we'll start. We'll be good at that. <laughs> well, we're sale fans, aren't we? So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, so we, so we talked obviously earlier about uh, you know the, the sort of highlight of the season. You know, uh, was, was there a low light? I mean, we won't dwell on this too much because um, you know, obviously we don't want to... We don't want to all end up in a, in a sour mood, but you know, I think if you, if you had to point out like one moment in the season, was there something where you sort of thought, you know, you know, uh, you know, fuck it, I'm going to become a Newcastle fan instead? I don't think anything would happen for me to become a Newcastle fan. <laughs> uh, I do respect what they've done uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, they're build, they are building a business up there, but. Um, no, I think the low light has to be the, the Bristol game. I mean, you know, that that was always going to be the turning point. We win that, and we we could have pushed on top six or seven from there. Um, we could have taken some momentum. Um, and then ju- I just remember leaving the ground. And, uh, you know, it was sort of near that festive time of year. that I just got, And I just felt rubbish. I just felt <laughs> really rubbish. I and mean, it was sort of like, well, that's it. I'm not going to do season tickets holds again. Yeah, yeah, it's, this is ridiculous. So when Sale lose, which is every time I've been to see them, pretty much that year, um, I thought there's just no, there's no point. There's no point anymore. Um, but of course, she's got to take the rough with the smooth, and uh, she's been a bit more rough this year. But you know, fingers crossed, next year will be different. Yeah, I can't look past Bristol. I mean, I did have some thoughts on the way to the Bath game that getting a Newcastle Falcons season ticket, it would actually be quicker <laughs> to get to the ground. <laughs> in Newcastle from my house than it would to get to the AJ Bell being sat on the M60. But, <laughs> yeah, so there were there were a couple of times in it, as I was going to the Bath game that I thought, this is it's just not been a good season. And then we nearly threw it away at the end. But you, I, I can't look past Bristol. That was just... That was a, it was a classic sale moment of, uh, you know, making our lives harder than they ever need to be, I think. I don't. I don't want to be contrary, um, but I think I might have a, a slightly different moment. Um, in that, I think it was. Uh, I think it was the Exeter game um, in uh, October or November. So you know, we were still feeling, you know, perhaps, perhaps a little bit of optimism that we could salvage the season with a, uh, you know, a, a long win streak. Um, and I think it was. It was Friday night. I'd, I'd come back especially for the game because I, I only. I can only make it to a few a season at the moment. Um, and basically, I, I came back very excited Friday night, and I think you know. The, the final score was 21-3 to Exeter and we offered nothing in attack uh, we parted like the Red Sea in defence Exeter just you know smothered us you know it was it was just an all round miserable performance and I think I think that one gets 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 forgotten you know by comparison to say like the Northampton home game which again was very similar and was just sort of a dreadful game to, to, to watch yeah, um, but I think I think I think that Exeter game um, in, like I said, I think October, November, the season's first few months was I think was the first time that I thought, you know, this season's going to come to nothing. You know, we, if we keep playing like this, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna push for top six. We're definitely not gonna push for top four. We're gonna struggle and, and, and be in a relegation fight, which you know, 
ultimately sort of came to pass um, you know and I think that was for me the, the, the worst time that Bristol game obviously was obviously horrendous um, again like you said it was at the festive time just after New Year's I think and what a terrible way to start 2017 but um, yeah I think there's, there's a couple of couple of games this year I think Gloucester at home was another one we, we just we just sort of look so devoid of fight and, and, and you know attacking ambition and and you know you know thank goodness we've had actually quite quite a nice and you know last couple of months of the season because you know that promise is starting to build again and we look so much more cohesive as a team uh, that, that I think you know we might you know start you know might might be close to building something again and, and hopefully not have to to you know um, enjoy that sort of tough tough middle part of the season again. Um, but we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll forget we'll forget Sorry, about just, the negative stuff for now. <laughs> just just one more one just one more if I may. Can't help myself. Uh, yeah, um, no, 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 I think uh, the first time I switched on the television at the beginning of the season and saw Tommy Taylor in a wasp shirt. That was pretty. Uh, <laughs> oh, it stings, pretty doesn't awful. it? I uh, yeah, I was. I, I have to say that um, a bit like when Gaskell did the same a couple of years ago. You know, when you've got somebody who was come through the academy and and clearly loved the club and as well, um, and then gone on to Wasps. And you know, it was one team that you just want to lose. And you know, it was. I think it's horrible, isn't it, when you want another team to lose? But I, I, I ended up supporting Leicester Tigers the other day. You know, there's <laughs> something going wrong when you're supporting Leicester. Um, but no, that was, was a grim moment. And um, but you know, the flip side of that coin is the fact that you know we're not going to be mourning that you know um, levers and, and a similar situation this year. You know, we've not lost any of our big stars, and I think that that you know credit to the club um, on that. We secured nearly all of them before Christmas, um, and we've been crying out for that for well for as long as I can remember, to be honest. Well, I, I mean, you've you, you've you've hit the nail on the head perfectly there, and uh, you know we'll we'll move on, you know, to slightly slightly happier happier things, happier thoughts. Um, like you said, there's so much young talent coming through the club at the moment that we have been able to retain and sign up on long-term deals. And you know, let's take a look at the season, you know, holistically again. And and uh, Alex, I'll put this question to you. You know, who of the young players that have come through the season? You know, Ma- you know, Mike Haley, Josh Bowman perhaps struggled a little bit. You know, who who are the players who've come through and, and made an impact in the first team this season have, have particularly caught your eye? And and which ones are you most excited to to see in the sort of sail blue for the next sort of three, four, five years? Um, it's it's a bit of a, a toss up for me between Sam James and Will Addison because having having had um, how many years it's five six years of Sammy and Johnny who with all due respect do one thing fantastically well and that is hit the ball up with Pacific Islander ferocity but haven't got that sort of creative um, creative spark as much I think. Some of the things Sam James does with just, you know, his, his hands and um, some of his kicking, even when he kicks it against opposition players, bounces it, pinballs it around, picks it up and scores a try like he did um, a couple of weeks ago in the home game. You know, he just, um, I, I think he's just something different at centre that we, we haven't really um, had anything else quite like. And he's almost, the one positive of him playing fly-off, which... It annoyed me because I didn't want him to become another James Hook and sort of, you know, have have five positions and not excel in any of them. Is that he has developed his playmaking skills a bit from last season when he was big lad with good hands and good feet. He's now sort of got his head up a bit more, I think, this season, and that's. So yeah, I think I'd I'd, I'd have to say Sam James. Obviously, the Curries are, are beyond exciting, but I don't want to put too much pressure on them. And I think um, Sam James deserves his call up for England and. 
and should hopefully shine on that tour because I think he's he's quite a unique centre for um, for us and maybe even for England. I uh, see. I'm going all in on the Corries. Um, I said it after. <laughs> uh, I said it after um, the uh, Bath home game, um, and to play the way they play and to play with the effectiveness and, and sort of game changing ability that both of them possess at 18. Um, which is depressing because you know it's it's a couple of years <laughs> younger than me and and I think you know what well, maybe what might have been, um, but you know I think you know the, the the two of them together to make the impact they have you know to be basically played you know a half three quarters of the season you know at such a young age um, to get them up on five year deals is you know is is a superb bit of business and I think uh, you know I I look at you know I, I don't like again I don't want to be too negative I sort of look at I look at the players that we've all signed. Um, all the young players that are coming through and there is some superb talent there you know you just touch, touched upon a couple of them um, but I look at I look at Will Addison I look at Sam James I look at Josh Beaumont I look at Mike Haley and I see I see really good players and I see England internationals if everything goes right for them if they can stay fit you know if they can get the game time I do genuinely see England internationals but in Tom and Ben Curry I genuinely think they have the ability and potential to, to transcend even that and I think you know they could be the sort of Marowatoji, you know, freak phenom sort of England international category. I mean, you've seen it already with the with the call up to to, um, to to the England tour to Argentina, and you know, perhaps it might be the same with, with someone like Sam Underhill as well. Um, but I, I just look at the way that you know the, the impact they've made, and you just think, you know, these two boys have got the potential to be something special. But uh, you know, perhaps even even more special than 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 sales. You know, six in, six England internationals that they've currently got in the squad, and I think because of that alone, I think you know those are, you know those those have just elite ability, and I think you know they're going to go a very very long way, very very quickly. Yeah, I think I think um, on the Sam Hundhill comparison, I mean he's four years older. You know, when the difference between eighteen and twenty two, when you're you know professionally playing, that's quite a lot. Um, so I think the fact that the Curries are actually influencing our games as much as they are at 18, I think that goes to show that I think you're right. I think they could be the Toji type characters um, and really push on. I think whether 2019 as a World Cup might be just slightly too early for them to be first choice open sides, probably, probably at international level. Um, but, you know, they've still got a year left after, you know, next year they're still under 20. They're still in the under twenty squad. They could still go to the uh, World Championship for the under twenties next summer, um, which I'm sure they will. Actually, I'm sure they will go for that um, that one. I think they're being taken for experience to Argentina this time. Uh, but when they're in their final year, they'll be given opportunities to play in the under twenties to win the competition, um, just like Zach Mercer's getting this year. Because I think the Zach Mercer's also uh, uh, got serious potential um, down at Bath. Um, but no, the Curry is definitely another another one where I think has flattered to deceive on most of his career up to now at Sale, but I think actually showed a little bit of an inkling of he could become a really good player with an extra bit of weight, and that's George Knott. I think that uh, I think George, he he started a couple of games, um, sort of February, March time, and really quitted himself well. You know, I thought, you know, scrummaging in, in, in our pack, he might go backwards in the scrum, but I think he's, uh, I think he's he could kick on next year um, and, and could surprise. On the other guys that you've mentioned, I think that Will Addison has kicked on this year and showed an extra bit of class, which maybe um, he hadn't done. I mean, he's always been a good player, but I think he showed that he could have England potential this year if he could stay fit. 
Sam James has showed versatility and has probably uh, invested in himself for the future. But I wouldn't say he went beyond what he did in his sort of breakthrough season, the season before last, um, where he was playing at 13 and really did change our centre play. Um, I think that Beaumont and Haley started to show a little bit of bit of form towards the end of the season, but overall uh, plateaued. So you know they need to um, understand how Addison's taken on his, uh, you know, on on his game this year. And, and really try and kick on next year otherwise they're in danger of being left behind a little bit Beaumont especially there's so much uh, talent in the second row for England that, um, which is where I presume he's going to play next year I think unless he has an awesome season next year I think that uh, an England career might be a little bit beyond him I don't want to write him off too early but the second row talent is ridiculous <laughs> yeah no no, absolutely it's a, it's a nice problem to have isn't it yeah. yeah. Well, we mentioned Cameron Neal as well, who was sort of probably played some of his best rugby at the start of the season, and then, um, well, from what I understand, has sort of dropped off a little bit towards the end of it. I think probably usurped by the Curries in in a few ways. I think. I think. I think as well. <laughs> I think. I think Cameron Neal is is uh, a victim of circumstance a little bit because. Um, one of the reasons why I've been quite um, opposed to the to the, the Mark Jones signing, um, you know, ahead of next season, is that um, as, as much as I appreciate what Mark Jones does on the field and you know leads by example, I am very worried that Cameron Neal is going to be caught in this sort of weird limbo between um, the position he wants to play and stated he wants to play and played at age level um, and being the sort of like versatile six, you know, come seven. That whilst he's very proficient at it and has been a superb six. Um, you know, for, for sale over the last two seasons, um, there is so much talent in that back row now. You know, we talk about the Curries and and George Knott, who obviously uh, came through to six, um, but obviously some of the players coming in next season. You know, jo- John Ross, for example, Josh Strauss. You know, there's going to be so much competition in that back row, um, and you know, you think, okay, well that's that's fine. You know, move Cameron Neal to the to, to hooker, uh, get him playing. You know, twenty minutes in relief of Rob Webber every week, and you know, help him build up his his uh, skills at that position. But obviously now with the signing of Mark Jones, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that he's going to fall by the wayside, and I am worried that you know he's going to he's going to sort of miss out for you know two or three years um, whilst Jones is still playing, and whilst you know the Curries are developing and Strauss and Ross and everyone are here. Uh, and then my fear is that you know his his development is going to be sort of arrested, um, and then he, he you know obviously signed for four years, but you know he's in, in two or three years time he's still we're still not going to be quite sure whether or not he's he's a two or a, or a six. So um, that, that that that's my I, fear I because. I disagree on you. Wrote a, you wrote a blog on this as well, I think, or at least uh, a million tweets. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I disagree. Actually, I think that Cameron Neal has been overworked at six. He's playing eighty minutes. He's covering Hooker as well by being in the matchday squad, but starting the game. Um, you know, I think uh, I think we have to be realistic that most teams have squads, uh, very large squads. And I think he's going to get plenty of game time next year, playing at six mainly, and then playing um, at hooker in the Anglo-Welsh um, and starting those games, and maybe in the Challenge Cup as well. So I think that he'll get plenty of game time at two to develop him a little bit there. And I think him and John O'Ross will, will, will they'll rotate. They'll rotate at six. You know, they're both very hard, heavy duty, big ball. I mean, Neil is nearly always our top tackler. 
He's one of our top carriers. He does, and he doesn't just ca- he's not carrying out wide like Beaumont does, where he sort of gallops a few yards. I mean, Neil <laughs> carries, you know, next to the ruck. He does all the real hard work. So I think that he'll get plenty of game time at six, and I think he'll get some development um, at two. And then I think that you know Weber will be going into his final year as his contract next year. Okay, if he has a stormer, we might keep him on for one more year. Um, Jones is a couple of years younger than than, than Webber, but I, I'd imagine that Webber would move on, um, and I think that Neil will be given the opportunity at that point to push for first choice hooker. Um, and when you look at you know front rows and and which ones really truly make it, you know uh, Cam Neal's still only twenty one, I think maybe twenty two. Um, you know if he's pushing for first choice um, at twenty three, twenty four, and he's got a lot of Premiership game time on his legs, then I I, I think he'll be fine. I do worry with with Neil though that it's a case of the Ben Foden wants to play in one position, but he's actually so good in another position that is it really worth that um, the moving them back? And you know, Ben Foden was desperate to play a scrum half and ended up being England's premier fullback for four years. So there is always that to consider as well. But you know, we do need a hooker. So well, I, I just. Have- Stay while he works it out. Whereas Foden was like, actually, I'll go to Saints yeah. and work there. So, yeah. I see. I I I agree with the po- some of the points you're making there, James. But my 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 only contention is that you know, is is it a guarantee that Weber moves on after after next season? He'll be 32 going on 33, I think, which is you know obviously old, and you know you will see his his, his you know uh, effectiveness you know decline a little bit, but. I am of the opinion if he if he comes up with a similar season um, to the one he had this season, you know, uh, in 2017-2018, um, there's no reason not to keep him on for for at least a, you know another year or two, and then you know if he's still performing at such, such a high level, you know, where where does the opportunities for Cameron Neal to to get game time if um, you know if if Mark Jones is in that position as well? I mean, we've we've done well to get him signed up on a on a four year deal, um, you know, so we we do have the luxury of sort of re- retaining sort of control over him almost. Um, but you know, you, I, I I just I just worry. Um, and I'm glad Alex backed me, um, but that's uh, you know it, it's going to be a <laughs> yeah, case. Yeah, I knew of... I was going to be on my own with that one. <laughs> no, I think Samuel's going to be fine. He's done too many minutes um, in a in a really high, heavy duty role, and he's also if you've noticed, he has been putting on a little bit more more weight. I think in preparation to do more time in the front row. You've also got to remember that Mark Jones has played barely any rugby in the last two seasons since he left us. He's been really struggling with injuries at Bristol. So I think that uh, Dime just That's takes a, good a bit point. of fun Mark Jones. Um, and Rob Webber's broken his arm in the same place twice in one season. So I think that, you know, I think having depth at two is a good idea. Um, I don't think Langdon's ready to, to step up. Um, and Neil's proven himself as a performer on the pitch. You know, I think he, he'll need to um, adapt his game a little bit, play it too. And I think if he's, if he's starting plenty of games in the Challenge Cup um, and in the Anglo-Welsh, uh, with Mark Jones coming off the bench, um, then I think he'll develop as a player. I'm not worried. I think, I think if if it continues for a couple more years and he doesn't make the transition, then you start to get to get to get worried, especially if he's been putting on that weight and and losing his mobility around the park at six. You know, so he doesn't want to get caught a little bit like Matt Tate, you know, did when he sort of put on a bit uh, very different type of role, obviously, but tried to sort of beef up to play international rugby. Um, in the centre and lost his speed. You know, I think Cam Neald is his work rate that makes him a good six. So if he loses that mobility but can't make the transition to Tucker, 
then we would have done him, done him a disservice. But you know, Diamond was a hooker. He knows what he's doing. Um, I think Neil will be our first choice hooker if and when he's ready. Oh, I mean, okay. I think I think you know, like you said, those are, those are all pretty fair points, and I think we can uh, we can agree to disagree for for, for the time being, anyway. Um, <laughs> let's 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 rubbish podcast if we didn't disagree. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping there's I was hoping there's going to be some conflict at some point. God, we're going to have to like create some arguments. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair. Well, we we uh, let's let's not talk politics or anything else. Um, you know, until until absolutely necessary. Um, let's let's let, let's uh, let, let's finish up on just just a sort of. Um, you know, you know, perhaps a little look to next season. Obviously, we hope this all takes off and we'll come back with a with a similar length sort of season preview. Um, but you know, seeing the players that Sale have signed, seeing some of the players that Sale are still linked with, um, but knowing who roughly what the squad's going to look like for next season, um, who do you think is going to make the biggest impact? And who do you think uh, you know? Who are you most excited to to, to see for next season? Will Cliff. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I mean, I wasn't a fan of the Mark Jones signing. I don't, I don't think I'm a fan of the World Club <laughs> signing either. No, no, um, no. I just, I do want to make the point while I'm on air. I know you're going to cut this out, but um, <laughs> I'm really chuffed that Will Cliff and Mark Jones are returning. They both came through our academy. You know what? And if next year we bring Tommy Taylor and James Gaskell home as well, that would be sending a really big signal that the rugby in the Northwest, you know, we, we sort of create and, and build our own. But no, obviously, on a serious point, um, uh, you know, I think you, I think for me, um, I'm interested in seeing what the uh, the Romanian prop does. You know, you, you sort of have sort of memories of Kobalas coming in, and he did a bit of a bit of loose head while he was sort of learning his trade, um, and then became pretty much, I think, the best tight head in the Premiership. So um, I'm I'm excited about that, and that would be all on the upside versus expectation. Um, so yeah, that sounds great. And then obviously Josh Strauss. Um, made us all believe that we were going to sign some good players when he eventually <laughs> was announced in, in February. Up to that point, I thought everyone, everyone was all, well, Will Cliff and Mark Jones, that's, that's what we've got there, the star signings. Um, but no, yeah, look, Josh Strauss, he's a warrior, isn't he? So he's going to be in the mould. It's not like, uh, you know, Richie Vernon and, uh, and Richie Gray when they came, which were big heralded signings. You know, those guys wanted to do the, you know, c- catch the eye. Strauss, you know, he's in. He'll be in the trench with all the other guys, and I think that's going to be. That's got really excited about that. Yeah, I can't. I mean, Fafty Clerk is just going to be something, something special. Um, I mean, he's going to have to take the nine shirt off Will Cliff first, doesn't he? But <laughs> once he's done that, sort of halfway through the season, yeah. And I'm quite looking forward to seeing how Charnley goes next season as well. I think he's showed a bit towards the end of the season that makes you think, you know, obviously he's he's had a full season with Wigan, did he? And then came straight to us, so... Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, he's having a summer off and, you know, I think he seems pretty happy at the club from what I've seen. So I think hopefully next season he um, he could show because he was, he was class in rugby league um, and hopefully he can, um, he can bring that over. I'm I'm so disappointed that that you, you know both of you are not as effusive in your excitement for Fafter Clerk as I am. I mean, <laughs> th- this is it. This is this is the statement signing. This is you know this is the one that's going to make the world take you know stand up and take notice. And you know, until James I, I, O'Connor comes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Until we had a until we had another Southern Hemisphere international. No. I mean, 
I, I've been seeing a little bit of dissent about De Klerk, a little bit like, oh, well, he's, he's he's only on the bench for the Lions, and oh, he got dropped from the Springboks and stuff. But I mean, this is still basically, you know, this is this starting scrum half for, you know, for for the Springboks um, for pretty much all of last year. And I think, you know, the, 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 I always forget a little bit about the Josh Trout signing because it happened so early compared to all the other signings. You know, there's about a, at least a two month gap in between, um, and I just think, you know. Strauss was, was a great signing, but you know you think, okay, he's 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 thirty, th- going on thirty one. You know, perhaps Glasgow may have had his best days. I think he's going to be a superb signing for us. You know, don't get me wrong, but I think he's going to be um, the sort of on field leader um, and sort of workhorse in the pack as as well as the destructive ball carrier we so desperately needed for big parts of the season. Um, but you do think, sort of think, you know, okay, maybe just slightly, you know, he, he's at his peak or, or just past it. Whereas De Klerk, he's 25, he's, he's got the international experience, he's been tearing it up for, for the Lions, who nearly won Super Rugby last year. Uh, we've got him for three years, you know, and, you know, through his 25 through 28 age seasons. And I just think that this is this is the sign that's going to move the needle um, for us. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely the most excited I've been about a, a sales signing since, since, since maybe, you know, Danny Cipriani. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. No. I mean. I. I think. I. I. You know what? I do agree with you. I, I want to play. Part of me always wants to play devil's advocate and argue. But. But no, I think that Fafter Clerk. You're absolutely right. It's the first signing that we've we've made for some time. Somebody who's clearly on the upward curve. Um. And that. That's fantastic. Um. I. I, I do think though. However, it's worth bearing in mind that he's only going to be effective behind a pack that's going to win ball. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we need some really hard grunts. We need to keep the set piece working as well as it is doing. We need to move our front row forward in 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 quality. I think we we might. I don't know whether we need an, another signing in in the second row. I, I I don't think we will make another signing in the second row. I think we'll give opportunities to Beaumont and not to support Ostrakov and uh, and and Evans. But um, but yeah, no, that's why I, I went with Strauss just because I, I think he's. Uh, Put, you know, put him who puts his head where it hurts with someone like the Currys, who that's all they do is put their head where, the, where it hurts, um, and Ross or Neald. And that, you know, th- th- that's an 80 minute back row. And people are going to get sick to death of us picking, going, tackling everything that moves. They're going to they're gonna be really sick of us by the time that they, uh, by the time they finish. But Faf de Klerk, I agree, he's the one that could take us for being a competitive eighth in the league winning a good amount of home games, you know, to actually sort of top six. Um, and ultimately, hopefully, eventually top four. But, you know, um, I, I won't put our aims there for next year. Definitely not. Yeah, I, I, I think we might be able to do it in three seasons' time. Top four. <laughs> that's, that's the dream. I mean, so I got my first season ticket the year we won the um, Challenge Cup or whatever it's called now, when we beat in Oxford and then the next season we won the Premiership and since then it's been 10 barren and barren years of um, <laughs> going out in the Champions Cup group stages so yeah I think I think we've still we're not we're nowhere near the the likes of Saracens and Wasps I don't think we've got the front row quality quite yet and like you say the second row I'm not the biggest fan of Ostrikov and I think we're a bit light there. Right, but... that's it. I'm not coming on this podcast ever again. I'm not <laughs> hearing a bad word said about Andre Ostrikov. I, I think he's a legend. He is a legend. He is. He's, he's he's exciting and he's great, but you know, and his limbs are all over the place. He's like <laughs> an octopus on the field, but 
He's, he's exciting, not necessarily for the reasons why you'd want him to be exciting. Yes, exactly. I, I, I think, um, so I've, I've been going to Star Games for 12, 13 years, always with my dad. And I think um, I think my, my, my dad's favourite ever try was the one Ostrakov scored against, uh, I think it was Beeritz in the Challenge Cup a couple of seasons ago, where he sort of picks the ball up in one hand, does a windmill over the uh, over his tackler, comes out the other side, breaks the tackle and, uh, and, and just... Did, still carrying the ball in one hand and just sort of just trickles over the line and and places it down ever so casually um you know he still he still bangs on bangs on about that one uh, one every every couple of weeks uh, as soon as as soon as Oshkov gets the ball in one hand i think he's expecting a, a, a another another show stopping moment but um no i think i think you know we we make an interesting point about about the park and and uh, you know, sort of giving that platform for players like De Klerk and and hopefully O'Connor, um, you know, to, to to impress. But you know, I think I think I think John Ross is going to be a superb signing. You know, I've caught a couple of stag games since since he was since he was announced, and that sort of energy and um, you, you know, sort of you know, just you know, ubiquitous around the field. He's just over the ball or, or making a tackle. Um, and just just making such an impact, and like you said, pairing with the Curries, pairing with uh, Neil, pairing with Strauss, pairing with Yuani, who we who we haven't really touched upon um, in, in this podcast. You know, like you said, James, we're going to have such a such an abrasive and such a relentless um, um, back row. It's going to be such a it's going to be very exciting and, and very frustrating for, for for opposition fans to watch. Um, yeah, but we're all yeah, going for sort of mobility in the second row, so you can see what Diamond's trying to do here. If we can get a solid scrum with a front row. And as Alex says, if we can sort of, you know, sort make that solid, really, then we're going to have mobile second rows. All four of the ones that I mentioned are, are, are sort of quick around the park. They like to run in the wide spaces as well and get the long leads moving. Um, and then the back row are going to be grafters, you know, carrying, tackling everything at the moves, getting over the ball. Um, so you can see the sort of framework that Dines is trying to build for next season. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think on on that note, you know, we've, we're looking ahead to next season. We should uh, we should probably bring proceedings to an end a little bit, and uh, we've taken up uh, eighty minutes of your time, um, which is quite almost poetic. Um, but obviously, yeah. So we we now are hoping to, to hear feedback from from the self self fan community. Um, we're all very excited about starting this podcast and, and want to continue it as, as you know as long as possible. Um, obviously, now there's a, there's a bit of a gap, but obviously, you know, if there's if there's demand and interest, you know, perhaps we could reconvene for some Lions stuff or or just wait until the end of August and, and get together again for some season preview um, bits and pieces. Um, but now, so this is going to go out on basically every uh, every platform I can uh, I can get my mitts on. So that's iTunes, that's Player FM, that's Acast. Um, and obviously, you know, if you like it, you know, five stars, reviews, you know, shares. That's that's what most podcasters say, you know, when they're when they're wrapping up a pod, isn't it? So let's just uh, let, let's go with that. But I want to say a big thanks to to Alex and and James for joining me and getting this all, all off the ground. And uh, uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed talking about it. So uh, cheers, Alex. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. And cheers, James. Thank you very much.